Alexa, play the Fighting Irish Faithful podcast. Playing Fighting Irish Faithful. for you North Carolina oh yeah what's up everybody welcome to the fighting Irish faithful show where we drink scotch and talk about Notre Dame football and nothing gets Notre Dame out of the bi-week slump than celebrating Thanksgiving and eating a bunch of turkey and getting drugged up on tryptophan tonight before we break down Notre Dame versus North Carolina we're going to discuss the games over the weekend that we were able to watch. Let's talk about some recruiting because there's nothing else going on other than avoiding COVID. So sit back, relax, pour yourself a drink. Let's go, Irish. Three wide receivers right. They're going to go for two. Back to throw. Walks, looks, looks, looks. Has the time. Lost the ball. The pass is spread it down. Dawson throws, open receiver in the end zone. Touchdown, Notre Dame! Somehow, the Irish did it! Out of the pack, 30, 35, goodbye, baby! At the 50, the 40, the 30, the 20, the 10, fire, fire, rocket, touchdown, Irish! Zimikowski looking for a block. Touchdown right to the 40. Gets a block, gets to the 45, 50. Up to the 45, 40, 30, one minute to beat, 20, 15, 10. He's down to the five. Touchdown, Irish! What is up, Fighting Irish Faithful? Welcome back. This is episode 18, Notre Dame going to North Carolina for Thanksgiving. So great you're all here joining me today. It's probably the morning or the afternoon or uh, you're actually listening to this on Thanksgiving and you're, you're in the bathroom hiding from your family. You brought your drink, your wine, your beer, your scotch, if please make it scotch, come on. And uh, you're hiding from your family listening to this podcast. Hey, that's kind of weird. You're listening to me while you're in the bathroom. But hey, you got to do what you got to do coming up uh, for Thanksgiving. Thank you for joining me. You can find me on Twitter at faithful underscore Irish. Uh, If you're getting this via the YouTube channel, Fighting Irish Faithful. Hit me up, Gmail, Fighting Irish Faithful at gmail.com. iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, you know where to find me because you found me. Here we are. Tonight's Scotch, we went and got a DeWars white label. Um, I'm pretty sure this is very similar to the Costco $18 mega bottle uh, blended Scotch. It tastes very similar. I've tried quite a bit of scotch, and I'm pretty sure Costco's knocked off to wars. But uh, hey, that's okay. This is what we got tonight. Uh, unofficial sponsor. But hey, if DeWars or Costco Kirkland wants to sponsor this, I will sell out. Uh, maybe there'll be a Christmas miracle. <laughs> but anyway, uh, before we get into the podcast, um, be thankful for your health. Um, and also, on a serious note, uh, say some prayers. Uh, head coach... Lou Holtz, former head coach of Notre Dame, has tested positive for COVID, um, so keep him in your prayers, please. Uh, he does mean a lot to me personally and a lot to Notre Dame. He does have a statue outside, and uh, he, if you've listened to some of my other podcasts, I've given him a lot of praise about what he was able to do 
within the time period he did coach Notre Dame. Uh, some of my favorite players of all time were players of Lou Holtz. So respect to him and many prayers for a safe recovery as he battles through this virus that is impacting us all. It's Thanksgiving, and uh, this is a strange Thanksgiving, I'm sure, for many of you. Some of you are not traveling. Some of you are like, woohoo, we just get to stay home and watch football and chill here. Um, and if, hey, if you're doing that, that's cool. Uh, maybe I'm part of that. Maybe I'm not. Uh, the doc and I are traveling for Thanksgiving. Shh, don't, don't tell. Don't tell. Don't tell a uh, Commonwealth, uh, and that's all I'm going to say. But uh, said Commonwealth has travel restrictions uh, forbidding me from entering. I'm not sure if they're going to make me show my papers when I cross into said Commonwealth. Um, they, I'm not going to go get tested because uh, by the time I get tested, uh, I won't even have my results. So that really won't do anything. Um, and quite frankly, all that's going to do is just prove, say I test negative, that's just going to prove from the moment I got, was tested and they swabbed my brain that from that point back, I was COVID-free. But from the three to five plus days beyond that, I could have contracted it and not even known. So, you know, take take it for what it is. You know, that's just that's just science. That's fact. That's uh, uh, things. And um, one thing also about Thanksgiving. So I've noticed in my neighborhood and maybe you've noticed in yours that uh, I mean, it's very hard to find a Thanksgiving display on someone's lawn. What do they got? What do they got? A giant cornucopia. You know, they got uh, figurines of pilgrims and Native Americans out there. Um, maybe you got a bunch of turkeys running around your yard. Um, if that's the case, that's cool. But my HOA would probably not like a bunch of live turkeys running around. Um, pretty sure that's a that's a violation there. But I believe that Thanksgiving. Turkey Day is becoming this like middle child between Halloween, the youngest crazy fun child, and Christmas, the oldest, wisest, uh, kind of more serious child. And Thanksgiving, we kind of forget about. Like, ever since August, people are putting up jack o' lanterns and turning their house into a, you know, zombie factory with hanging skulls and, and all this other spooky shit and turning their house into a haunted house. And then as soon as that's over, we hit November, and all of a sudden there's Christmas shit all over the place. Now, if you're in the mall or if you're in Costco, I think they've had Christmas crap up since, you know, July. But, you know, hey, um, <laughs> um, and and full disclosure, we have not decorated our house, but when you see something good at Costco, you got to get it. And the doc said, hey, there's a ginormous... Uh, holy family light up display we can put on the yard and i said that actually would be nice you know some sort of religious let's actually talk about the birth of jesus and not to get preachy on you all but hey we saw it in costco and uh we went we we secured it and it's in the basement where it belongs because i am one of those people that does not put up any christmas shit until after thanksgiving and really you probably shouldn't do it until the first week of advent or if you're really hardcore, Christmas Eve. Um, but yeah, I ain't going to do that. So <laughs> we wait till after Thanksgiving, first week of Advent, right, if you're traveling. So um, that's my Thanksgiving stuff. And Notre Dame is not playing on Thanksgiving, but the day after Thanksgiving. How the hell 
was that a thing? I mean, maybe it's a TV thing. You know, maybe they're, you know, fighting for ratings. And I don't really don't know what other big games are going on this weekend, except maybe the Iron Bowl. But other than that, um, I mean, North Carolina, they're not they're not a trash can. Um, You know, they're they're pretty good as far as ACC goes this year, but they're not a world beater. And Notre Dame is clearly doing well, so that'll draw the audience. So who knows um, why the game was scheduled for a Friday and not Saturday. It seems kind of weird. Usually this weekend we're playing at SC. We're playing, you know, at Stanford. This year would, of course, been at Southern Cal. So take it for what it is. Um, That is where we're at. But before we break down Notre Dame versus North Carolina, I wanted to touch on some of these games. And all of these, in some way, shape, or form, I think do impact Notre Dame in kind of a roundabout way. Uh, So let's get into that. First, the game last week, Friday, Minnesota and Purdue. This final score, 34-31, is not what the final score should have been, in my opinion. If you haven't heard, there was a offensive pass interference call that went against Purdue and negated their touchdown. I've watched that replay multiple times, and I do not see Purdue's receiver pushing off and giving himself an unfair advantage in way that would warrant the flag. What I really don't like... Now, if that happens in the middle of the game, it kind of is what it is. Here's what I don't like. First off, it reminds me of Notre Dame versus Florida State in 2014. When we went down to Florida State, we had a great uh, fourth and like 18 catch by Corey Robinson. And then there was essentially a pick play, and we scored in the end zone there. And if you go back and want to... Uh, punish yourself and rewatch that play, you'll see that, yeah, ProSize does do kind of a pick, but I believe it was Corey Robinson is wide the hell open in the end zone. And so even if he didn't pick, it would have had no impact on the play. Florida State's DBs totally screwed up the coverage, and Notre Dame went in there, took care of it, but it was negated. The ref threw the flag. And here's the other thing. Florida State's defenders were both pointing to each other. The cornerback and the safety were like, no, you got him. No, you got him. And they're like fighting in the end zone. They're not running over to the ref and say, hey, he pushed me. He pushed me. I could penalty penalty, you know, like normal receivers do. Or if you watch soccer, you know, they're the biggest crybabies on planet Earth. And if you played soccer, suck it up. All right. Go look at the guys who play rugby. All right. Rugby players don't do that. So, again, we don't want to get into the the merits of rugby players versus soccer players. Um, But either way, um, this Minnesota and Purdue game really brings that, those memories up and that, that pain up. And what I, the second thing I don't like about that, the end of that game is the ref throwing the flag at the end. Obviously the ref has to make the call as he sees it on the field. But when it's the end of the game, And it is going to be a deciding factor on who wins and who loses. That penalty flag that he throws must be damn obvious. Absolutely 100% crystal clear when he sees it that it was indeed a penalty. If he's like, oh, well, it kind of was, it kind of wasn't. Or from my 
quick angle, and I realize they have to make quick split decisions, right, at, at a moment's notice, but uh, come on, there's no way. I didn't see any pushing. I'm not sure what he saw. Uh, you know, if, if, if there's some explanation by the Big Ten refs, um, you know, go ahead and, and leave a comment and tweet me on, on and, and set the record straight. But I'm not seeing any of that shit, and uh, I think Purdue got screwed. Next, the Florida State and Clemson game, which actually didn't happen. So I, on Saturday, I was going to watch the Clemson game and flip back and forth to the IU-Ohio State game, and I was like, sweet, and I'm just sitting at home, and I'm I'm setting up the, the TV, you know, going to go back and forth, back and forth, and I'm finding not the Clemson and Florida State game. I went through all of ABC and Fox and ESPN and all that, and I'm not finding it. I'm like, what the hell? And then I finally read at the on the ticker at the bottom, it says Clemson, Florida State postponed. And I'm like, oh, well, shit. So then I just watched the IU game. But um, upon further investigation, Clemson actually did travel to Tallahassee on Friday and they were following all ACC rules. Apparently, there was a player who was tested tested negative, but then practiced, but then later out tested positive. I'm not really sure how that works. But according to Clemson and Dabo Sweeney, who's apparently the expert that all ACC refs listen to, especially on pass interference calls, that uh, Clemson was following all ACC rules and guidelines. Florida State, on the other hand, thought otherwise, and rather than get into a he said, she said kind of argument, an article I read brought this to medical opinion, and I think what's really interesting about that is it really brings up kind of a lot of the, the angst about COVID right now, that there's a lot of opinions about it, and is there a lot of fact, and I'm not going to get into that whole piece right here, because that's not what this podcast is about, but we're seeing that kind of angst that's out in society that everyone feels about whether we should be quarantined or not, should be traveling or not, wearing masks or not, that's not the point here, the point is that is bleeding into people making decisions and basing their feelings and kind of this mood and and just kind of assuming the worst to making a decision even if one team was following the rules that were already laid out and laid laid out in place so who knows what's going on with that but clemson florida state they will be postponing their game most likely to the 12th that is the weekend that notre dame is going to be playing their makeup game against wake forest which is good for Notre Dame because if Clemson, Florida State are playing, that means Clemson is playing Pitt this weekend, then Virginia Tech, then Florida State, and then if they win all of those, they will be playing Notre Dame if Notre Dame is also undefeated, most likely. Fingers crossed. Prayers. Light candles at the altar. And so that's good for Notre Dame because Clemson will not have a bye week between Virginia Tech and an ACC championship game against us so hooray good job florida state iu ohio state iu came back i was helping out with church and uh on saturday and then me and uh, another person i was with we're checking our phones checking out the score and we're like oh my gosh we're missing this great game so we ended up finishing what we were doing anyway but then i i went straight home said the doc doc your hoosiers are, are may come back i got to see the end of the fourth quarter and uh, they didn't win, of course, but IU does have a legit defense, 
and they force multiple turnovers by Ohio State. Ohio State is not impressing me. Yeah, they're doing okay. Ohio State does have a good quarterback, but he made some dumb, stupid throws that you would expect from Everett Golson. You know, you're you're being sacked and you just chuck it up in the air inbounds. Like, what is wrong with you? Um, and another thing is Ohio State scored zero points in the fourth quarter and allowed IU to score 14 and mount a historic potential comeback. So um, IU was certainly the popular kid in town last week. But it didn't happen. It didn't work out for them. And so, well, it was a fun game to watch as a Notre Dame fan, as kind of an outsider, and with uh, one toe in the IU camp because of the dock. All right, Michigan versus Rutgers. Uh, you damn Scarlet Knights. You, you, you almost did it, too. What a great beginning to that game. Twitter was just full of happiness. Um, at one point, Rutgers is up 17 to zero and Harbaugh is just like, like sweating profusely on the sidelines. I love it. Um, and then, uh, Michigan ends up coming back and pulling out a victory out of their ass, uh, after three overtimes versus Rutgers. So Michigan is back, baby. Hey, (laughs) go blue. But, um, it took Harbaugh to go to his backup quarterback some guy named Cade McNamara uh don't know who this guy is but uh you know hey you show courage and resolve by going three overtimes with Rutgers you know that's like Notre Dame going three overtimes with Pitt but worse because Rutgers is much worse than Pitt anyway uh damn it it could have been an awesome weekend if IU won and if Michigan had lost um, and probably Purdue had won, that would have been good for the state of Indiana. But, hey, um, that didn't happen. Wisconsin and Northwestern. Say hello to the new popular kid in town, Northwestern. Oh, my goodness. What is up with Wisconsin? You know, every year it seems they just shit the bed against the team. And, Grant, they didn't get blown out. It was 17-7 to at the end of the day. But, I mean... That was surprising. I'm the one last week who came on this podcast and said that Wisconsin is one of the top four teams and should be in the playoffs. Clearly, I was wrong. You know, I underestimate Northwestern as Notre Dame has done in the past. And of course, we've lost to them. Um, We almost lost to them in 2018. So, you know, there's all sorts of and Northwestern does not like Notre Dame either. So, um, you know, hey, it is what it is. Um, but then no surprise, BYU and Cincinnati both win, you know, yawn, you know, Uh, yeah, they're, they're winning great. Your schedules, your strength of schedule sucks. All right. BYU has the 112th ranked strength of schedule. They're not going to get a fair shake. It's not going to happen. All right. It's like Marshall has just about as much, uh, business talking about making the playoffs as BYU does this season. So sorry, BYU. But COVID's screwing you up in your independent schedule. Yeah, and I did just mock the in, their their independence. All right. Oregon, USC, they also win. Shouldn't be no surprise. They're the two best teams in the Pac-12. So since I was uh, tweeting uh, pictures of the leprechaun sitting in a hammock and uh, I was just having a relaxing uh, weekend, uh, I was getting a bunch of stuff done off the honey-do list. The yard is all prepped, ready for the winter. Um I was able to smoke some chicken wings with some cherry wood. That was pretty good. Tried doing this kind of uh, Tennessee, hot Tennessee, kind of Nashville hot 
chicken wing. Eh, it didn't work out too good. They still tasted okay, but um, I've made better wings. So, um, you know, we'll move on from there. But yeah, I was exhausted after doing all that. And I went to bed at 10 o'clock on a Saturday. How lame am I? Um, I guess that's what happens when I'm not all jacked up watching Notre Dame and, and uh, you know, drinking beer and, and scotch all day, which is kind of the opposite of what you think would happen. But hey, <laughs> that was my weekend. So in bed by 10 and uh, doing show prep on uh, Sunday. So all right, so the bye week. What else are we going to talk about? Let's talk about some recruiting. This is kind of an area I'm kind of going outside my comfort zone here, but you know I can read and and uh, look at stuff. And uh, you know I'm excited for these players when they commit to Notre Dame, when they make a verbal commit, and I, I'm kind of confident in these next few. But um, the one thing about recruiting that I think the most important thing is that when a player is committing, they're committing to the university. It's not necessarily to a coach, someone like Kelly or Brian Polian or, or whatnot. In the past, it was Tony Alford um, who recruited people like Greg Bryant. And, you know, Notre Dame always goes out with this, this 40 year decision, or, you know, you got someone who came from, uh, you know, out in California or, you know, it's Thomas Aquinas down in Florida and, you know, they, they go to the Catholic university and, and that appeals to them, you know, or they're just really smart and they want to be part of Notre Dame's network and, and have a good job. And, and, you know, but most likely what's going on right now, it's Notre Dame, a big school, big program with all these other things I just mentioned. And they had a marquee win against the number one team in the country. They see that they see our students rush the field and they say, I want to be part of that. That's a team that's headed in the right direction. Nothing recruits better than just winning, baby. Just win games. You know, we, we don't have tropical weather. Um, Notre Dame is what it is for all these other things I've mentioned, but the weather is not helping and some other factors are not helping as well. So just win baby and the guys who are serious about football serious about college sports serious about maybe going to the nfl and using notre dame as an opportunity to help them with that um that that was that is the way to go so first guy i want to talk about um philip riley cornerback from florida he originally committed to notre dame then he flipped to usc and then committed to notre dame last week so Good on him, uh, Philip. Uh, hope you sign uh, in the uh, late winter. I believe it's in February is uh, official signing day. And then uh, let's see, linebacker Kahanu Kia. He's a three-star guy from Hawaii. Linebacker, and who is not thinking back to Manti Teo? And uh, his uh, Twitter uh, account, he uh, gives some love to Brian Polian. And if you recall, Brian Pullian was a assistant coach at Notre Dame when Charlie Weiss was the coach. Pullian also is responsible for landing Manti Teo. So I'm sure that factors into this decision by uh, Mr. Kia. So welcome to the Fighting Irish. O-line, Caleb Johnson, a four-star flip from Auburn. Uh, this is awesome. And then we have Josh Bryan. He is the nation's top kicker. And I know that doesn't sound very sexy, but, you know, are we turning into kicker you? We've gone from Justin Yoon, now Jonathan Dorr, 
to now Josh Bryan, the best kicker in the country. I mean, those three guys back to back to back, that's awesome. You know, we're far away from the days of having Nick Tausch kicking PATs and and missing them. All right. Um, These need to be automatic. And, um, you know, maybe someone sent Josh Bryan a tape of Notre Dame beating Purdue or Notre Dame beating USC by five field goals in 2012 and said, hey, Notre Dame wins close games by field goals. Oh, oh, that was that was uh, that was uh, eight years ago. Oh, wait. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, that's the wrong tape. Uh, we should have sent you uh, Yoon and, and Dor and all those guys. So I'm just I'm pulling your leg. Jonathan Dor should be returning next year, I read, uh, which is great because that'll give Josh a year to kind of work on uh, be probably our kickoff kicker and maybe do PATs and still give Dor uh, the main responsibility for the long field goals. So um welcome to those guys all of our recruits who are joining the likes of prince kali another uh guy who's uh who gave a commit uh, a little while ago but uh these young men joining the team uh welcome the toast this week is going out to brian polian he is definitely responsible for landing some of these guys there he's being shout out he's doing a damn good job with his recruiting so to Brian Polian, cheers. All right, so the one thing about the bye week, other than being productive, is some of our players get to heal. Unfortunately, Jarrett Patterson, our center, is out for the rest of the season season for foot surgery. Say season and surgery it's 10 times fast. Oh, my goodness. And he's going to most likely be replaced by sophomore Zeke Carell, and that is... Injury couldn't happen at a, quote, better time, better in air quotes, because that gives Mr. Carell two weeks to work with Book, work on the timing, work on the cadence, work on that very, very critical center to quarterback exchange. I don't want any stupid penalties of false starts. I don't want any fumbles. I don't want any snaps over Book's head. None of that shit. You know, if you just go under center and you just have a direct snap like that, a lot of this shit goes away. But, you know, get two weeks for these two guys to get back in the rhythm together. That is a good thing. So I really, really hope the team focused on that. That is my main goal this week against North Carolina. Work on that center to quarterback exchange. The play has to start there and then everything else. Braden Lindsay coming back. At least he should be after he... Uh, got a muscle uh, injury after the pit game. Um, I really want him to come back. He is the guy I was the most excited for on the offense other than Book and maybe who the new running back was going to be, but we all know that's Kyron Williams. But Braden Lindsay is one of the fastest guys on our team. Um, you know, he should be back. I really hope he's back. I hope he's at 100%. He's able to run in a straight line, make cuts. You know, is he drinking his Pedialyte? Is he doing some yoga? You know, sun, su- sunrise salutations, whatever. Stretch the muscles, you know, get in the, the hot tub, get in the, the nitrogen bath, whatever it is. Get back to some healing after being out for a few weeks. So, uh, Brain Lindsay, I really hope you're back. Um, this week versus North Carolina. Now we've seen, I've seen on Twitter and other people talking about Jordan Johnson. 
this guy is fast, this guy's athletic, and it's a sin that we haven't used him more. And I know we've been finding our wide receivers, we've been kind of finding our groove, but this is a great week to do that. We're playing North Carolina, they have a high-powered offense, we need to engage Jordan Johnson. And here's the best part, there's no tape on him, there's no film on him in a Notre Dame uniform other than him doing some like run blocking at split out at the X receiver or something. If I'm Brian Kelly and I'm confident that Jordan Johnson knows how to run a route and is fast as hell, this is what I would do. I would pull him and Ian book aside on Friday. I was, or excuse me. It'd be Thursday. Damn it. Even I'm screwing that up. Everyone set an alarm. Notre Dame was playing on Friday. I would pull them aside on Thursday after practice and say, Hey, I want you to, to know something. First play of the game and just look at Jordan Johnson, point to him and say, we're going to throw you a deep ball. Turn to book, say, you know, call the, call the, call the fade, you know, call, call post route, whatever you want to do. All right. Based off of what you think North Carolina is going to do. But I would pull him aside and say, we're going to isolate you one-on-one with the corner and go deep. And we're going to throw it up to you. First play of the game. That is how we're going to start this game. Engage Jordan Johnson, keep him interested, keep him engaged, and let's see what he can do. I mean, you got nothing to lose. It's the beginning of the game. I highly doubt we're going to throw an interception because Book is going to put the ball where only his guy can go get it. It puts a little bit of pressure on those two, but you know what I bet they'll do? You put that confidence out there. You put that carrot out there in front of them. I bet they stay late and they work on that a few times. That's what I would do, but that's my kind of thing. And yes, I'm the RTDB guy, but this guy is a weapon. And if we can be diverse in our offensive passing weapons between anywhere from tight end to X receiver to Skoranek to, to a running back out of the backfield, that frees up the running, guaranteed. So Notre Dame versus North Carolina. And no surprise, North Carolina is coached by Mac Brown. Now, if you are not a super fan... Mac Brown, prior to his current time here at North Carolina, his second year, he was, of course, at Texas. At Texas, he had a .767 win percentage record. Compare that to Brian Kelly's current record at Notre Dame, which is 73%. So um, it helps when you have someone like Vince Young and um, Colt McCoy as your quarterbacks, though. But prior to Texas, Mac Brown coached North Carolina from 1988 to 1997. As a career, including all those years, he is a 59% win percentage. So very interesting. His, uh, his overall career is 66 if you include the time at Texas. So regardless... Other than just that piece of Texas at North Carolina, which is now 12 seasons for Mac Brown versus Brian Kelly's 11th at Notre Dame, Brian Kelly does have the higher win percentage. North Carolina is 6-2 this season. Their only losses are to Virginia and Florida State. Their four-year recruiting average ranks 23rd. It is uh, the second-best recruiting and uh, talent that Notre Dame will see this regular season other than Clemson, of course. Notre Dame's four-year recruiting is 13.25. There is no college football rankings yet, 
at the time of this being recorded. I believe they come out Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Uh, so, you know, you'll have to cross-reference this podcast with that when that comes. But we're going to give you guys the podcast early. Sagarin is pissing me off still. It says Notre Dame is ranked 13th and North Carolina is 22nd, which is similar to what the AP is saying. But Sagarin's full of shit right now. I believe it says Iowa, of all things, is ranked third. What the hell? So, I mean, I like Sagarin, and I'm pretty sure it gets better as the season goes on, but I've never seen it this fucked up before, ever. But Notre Dame's strength of schedule is pretty crappy. We're ranked 66th in strength of schedule versus North Carolina's 63rd. Notre Dame's second in AP and coaches poll, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. All right, so Notre Dame should win right the spread is nine points to them teamrankings.com is giving them a 64 percent win percentage um all good things i won't get too much into the stats this week you know i'm I'm gonna read you know a little bit from the spreadsheet but i'm not gonna bog everybody down you know everyone's waking up from the bye week and it's no surprise north carolina has a good offense It's also no no surprise that Notre Dame has a good defense. I believe Notre Dame's going to win this game, and so do the experts, the experts, quote-unquote, because Notre Dame has the better defense. But they also have a much better rushing offense. Not by much, but it is better. North Carolina has scored, so far, 46 touchdowns, which is ranked third in the country. Notre Dame has scored 38 touchdowns, 15th. Scoring offense, they average 43.1 points per game, which is 10th best in the country right now. Notre Dame, 37.6, ranked 22nd in the country. But then the next categories are all in Notre Dame's favor. Rushing defense, rushing touchdowns, third down defense, scoring defense, and total defense Notre Dame is far superior to North Carolina in all of those, except rushing touchdowns. Notre Dame has 24, ranked 5th in the country. North Carolina, 23 touchdowns, rushing touchdowns, ranked 7th. So right there, nipping at Notre Dame's heels. Total offense, of course, they have more yard points over by the Tar Heels. And they also lead in sacks per game. They have 3.38. But the offensive lines they have faced is not as good as what North Carolina has. And Ian Book was not sacked at all last week versus Boston College. So he's really avoiding trouble, being smart in the pocket. Um, But we'll see with our starting center out, and we got the new guy coming in, how that's going to go. But tackles for loss, Notre Dame is superior. They're ranked 10th in the country versus North Carolina 60th. And turnover margin, I think this is going to be the key thing. Notre Dame is ranked 19th in the country in turnover margin, total turnovers margin, and North Carolina is 60th. They are dead even at zero, so they turn the ball over and gain as many turnovers as it's an equal equation there. Notre Dame is better in third down, rushing yards, and pass defense too. So that's the key piece here. North Carolina puts a lot of points out there they're ranked 11th in passing yards they have a shit ton of passing touchdowns but our pass defense is much better than theirs we're ranked 43rd averaging the opponent to 219 which is 
actually a huge drop-off from where it was last year. Last year, Notre Dame ranked third in pass defense at 168 yards for our opponents. So take that for what it is. Notre Dame's actually fallen off in that category. But it's still edging out North Carolina, who's ranked 92nd in that category. So it's almost like North Carolina is daring Ian Book to throw it deep. Hence my Jordan Johnson comment from earlier. But North Carolina does run the ball 57% of the time because Mac Brown's not stupid and he has won a fucking title and multiple bull wins, something Kelly has not even uh, sniffed yet. So there you go. But uh, Notre Dame does have the advantage in this game. They run the ball 61.9% of the time. And the efficiency, drumroll here, Notre Dame 12.3 yards per point versus North Carolina's 13.07. So that's my breakdown for why Notre Dame is going to beat North Carolina. This is the beginning of a four-game stretch for Notre Dame. Of course, the Tar Heels, then back home, last home game against Syracuse, and then we do Wake Forest. And then, of course, the ACC title game, if we win all three of these games, which I think we should. There's really no reason why we should not win out. Uh, we should win the next three games. No problem. We have better talent. We have a better coach. And uh, the team is playing really well. And it, this is crazy. We're in, uh, setting ourselves up to have an opportunity to play for a conference championship. I love it. Team rankings has us uh, being the most likely being either 10-1 and one or 11-0. and zero. Uh, but most likely, uh, North Carolina can't beat us. And um, the only way we're going to lose against North Carolina is if Notre Dame beats themselves. We do turnovers. We play stupid. We have dumb play calling. We blow coverages, and we just let them score 40-plus points. You know, we can't have that. Their quarterback is not nearly as good as Clemson's quarterback. We have to win. We, we have to win this game. We cannot fall asleep. Everyone was talking about Boston College being the trap game. I think this is the trap game. Um, it's on a weird night. It's on a Friday. What is this, high school? You know, I feel like we should have some Friday Night Lights kind of stuff going on here. Uh, it's Thanksgiving, it's the holidays, you know, COVID and all this other shit's going on. It's just a weird game. And Notre Dame in the past has not responded well to weird, unique adversity situations, especially when they play on the road. So if it's raining, I'm going to be really freaking out. But uh, I really don't know how this game's going to go. I'm also not going to be home for this game. I'm going to be with family in a Commonwealth at their house. Um, and so yeah, lots of scotch, lots of beer, lots of nachos, you know, bring that lucky shirt with you for Thanksgiving. Who knows? Who knows how this is going to go? But, you know, we need to not think of all these big things, not think of the past. If I'm the coach and I'm talking to the players right now, you have to not think of all these other things, boil it down simplify everything stay focused on the task at hand don't think of your record just think of it that our record is zero and zero 
and think one play at a time. Your job is to win this play. Your job is to win the little battle that's in front of you right now. If that's the center and the quarterback, make that snap good, make that exchange good, whether it's shotgun or under center. If you're a wide receiver, make sure your first step has purpose and is in the right way to win your route or to block that cornerback because it's a running play. If you're on defense and you're playing cornerback or linebacker or safety, you're taking solid position. You know the coverage, you know what you're seeing, you know where you're supposed to end up, be in that good position. Make a good first move there. If you're a defensive lineman, watch the damn ball. Watch the offensive line and then battle like hell. I'm talking to you, Kurt Heinisch. Win the battle in front of you. And that's it. The war is won by the battle. The war is won by the warriors. Be the warrior, win the small battle in front of you, and get the job done. That's it tonight. Everyone have a beautiful Thanksgiving. I'm very thankful to be podcasting with you. Uh, And everyone stay safe. Go Irish. Beat Tar Heels.